The reading today is taken from the second book of Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Um, it's on page 1162. We're reading from verse 16. The Tooth of Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled to us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together as we consider God's word uh, for us. Father, Thank you so much for this past week, uh, for all that we've learned about prayer, for your deep sense of peace and presence amongst us, and Lord, for your assurance that as we go into this new year, that you will bless us and be with us and enable us to flourish, even in the dark and the difficult times. And as we pray, um, as we have read this, these verses from 2 Corinthians, we just ask, Lord, you by your spirit, you just um, take these words, Lord, and enliven them in our hearts. Help us to hear your voice this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've got a verse uh, for the year, and I'm hoping that this verse will be an important one uh, for us as a church family as we um, enter in the new year and all the exciting things that we have planned 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, you might want to keep your Bibles open if that's helpful for you. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And i um, got a couple of uh, definitions of uh, what an ambassador is. I'm sure you know what an ambassador is, but just a reminder. An ambassador is an official agent with a special mission. An ambassador is a diplomat of the highest rank, accredited as representative from one country to another very clear just from these two definitions that the role of an ambassador is a really important one. So in our reading we are told that we are Christ's ambassador, an important role for us and that's what we're going to be exploring over these next few minutes. The Diocese of London over these last few years leading up to 2020 have had a really uh, interesting and imaginative, courageous uh, strategy to reach uh, people in the city of London. Uh, their plan was to equip 100,000 ambassadors 
across the city of London. Equip and commission 100,000 ambassadors across the city. Imagine that, 100,000 official agents of Jesus representing him in, in our capital city of London. And you might be thinking, how can they employ 100,000 Christians as ambassadors, let alone find that many to employ? I mean, we know that the church commissioners have got a lot of money, don't we? But surely, that just sounds ridiculous. But of course, that's the point. These people aren't being employed. These are ordinary Christians who be- have begun to see who they are with new eyes. They've recognised that being a disciple of Jesus means to be his ambassador. That the call to follow Christ includes being his representative wherever they live, work or volunteer. Of course, it's not a paid role. In fact, it hasn't even involved them moving. On one level, it hasn't um, involved very much change for them at all. But it's given them a whole new way of looking at who they are and the locations they're in. That's what it means to be a missional disciple. So what's helped them make this shift in their thinking? Well, I think there are three things, and that's one is to think about this morning. First of all, um, to be an ambassador for Christ means you know who you are, your identity in Christ. Secondly, you know your message. It's about reconciliation with God, and it's to know your posting, finding purpose. Uh, in everyday life. So first of all, know who you are, identity in Christ. Let's read verse 16 again. So from now on, Paul says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. When someone becomes a Christian, uh, the way they look at other people, Jesus, even themselves, is changed. Something very radical happens when we have a spiritual birth, when we're born again, something happens. Um, Paul refers to this change in verse 15, um, in the preceding verses. He says, And he, that is Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul was telling uh, this first century church that as Christians we no longer just live for ourselves our lives aren't all about getting what we want out of life we start living for Jesus and we see everything through the eyes of the gospel Paul summarizes it in verse 17 he says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here as Christians we have a new identity and the identity is in Christ. For a Christian, it's not who you are that's important, but whose you are. Being in Christ, that's united to him, means we have become who he says we are. And if you want to read more about what God says we are in Christ, then read the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with with his pleasure and his will. All those blessings that we have, all those spiritual blessings are ours in Christ. So 
Our identity precedes our mission. It begins not with what we do, but who we are. I recently heard uh, my son-in-law told me about um, a small church in Norfolk who began to see things differently. They had a concern for their local community, so they decided to ask people a question. And the question was this, what hurts you the most? In life, what hurts you the most? It's a risky question to ask because it brings up all those tricky questions about suffering. Why does God allow good people to get cancer? Why does God allow children with disabilities to endure pain? But they felt that it was a question that they should ask people. What hurts you the most? And does anyone care? They were overwhelmed by the amount of responses that they received because people willingly talked about what hurt them the loss of a loved one, the pain of a diagnosis, the struggle with chronic mental health, the crippling anxiety of debt. And with these responses, this small church organised a series of events where they talked about how Jesus cared. They weren't giving simplistic, slick answers. They were trying to really um, hear what people were saying and say, there is somebody that cares about you. They talked about Jesus, how he suffered and went through the disappointments and hurts that we experienced. They talked about a father's love and how Jesus had gave his life for us on the cross. And other churches got to hear about this across uh, Norfolk. So the next year, uh, lots and lots of churches in Norfolk um, did the same thing. They asked their their communities, what hurts the most? And they had 20,000 responses from across the county. Um, And they then organised an event in the Norfolk showground to respond to these issues. But what struck me about this, that here's a church that dared to see people as they really are, people who hurt. And they saw Jesus for who he was, a man familiar with suffering, who cares about our broken world and longs to bring reconciliation. And they understood that God had called them to be people that went out and told others about the reconciliation that God offers us through Christ. So if the first step to be an ambassador for Christ is to know our identity in Christ, what's the next step? Well, I suggest the next step is to know our message, uh, the message of reconciliation. Look in verse 18. It says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. At the very heart of the Christian message is the message of reconciliation. It's about two sides coming together. It's about us being separated from God and how reconciliation with God through Jesus brings peace in our lives. And did you get to notice in that verse, we we get to experience reconciliation ourselves before we go and share that message with others. See, the heart of the Christian message is that actually we've pushed God out of our lives. We've chosen our own path. We've opted for a life without God. So the first step to being reconciled to God is to admit that you're wrong. We are the prodigals that need to face up to the fact that we've rejected the Father's love and we need to return. And as we turn to go back to him, we find he's the loving Father who's running towards us with his arms outstretched. And we discover that Jesus has paid for our rejection of him on the cross. 
I read an account recently of um, an interview that Jeremy Vine did with Lionel Richie, the singer. Um, he interviewed him um, on TV. And um, some of you may know that Lionel Richie came from a very poor background. But after he became rich, he decided he wanted to give his dad the biggest birthday present that he'd ever had. And so he got this huge um, box and he wrapped it up and he gave it to his dad and his dad was really excited with this huge box that he was being given. And so his dad excitedly tore off the paper only to find that there was another layer of wrapping paper underneath that one. So he teared that one off and he discovered there was another layer after that and it kept on happening, tearing off the layers of paper and the gift got smaller and smaller and smaller and he could see his father's face falling with disappointment as he got smaller and smaller. And then he eventually got to the heart of the present, of the gift, and it was just a slip of paper that said, all debts paid, all debts paid. And his father said, well, do you mean you've paid my credit card debt? And Lionel Richie said, yep, I've done that. And he said, well, what about the car? He said, yep, I've done that as well. He said, rather hesitantly, what about the mortgage? Have you paid that as well? He said, yep, I've paid off your mortgage as well. All debts paid. And you see, that's just an illustration of what Jesus has done for us. For every wrong, everything that we've done, every bit of rebellion, every bit of rejection of God that we've done in our lives, Jesus has paid the debt for us. Before we can share this message, we need to have experienced it ourselves. The point is that we get, before we get to do, we get to be. We experience re- re- reconciliation with Christ before we get to share that with others. You know, there's power in telling our own story with our own words. Sometimes we fall into the trap and thinking, oh, the vicar's really good at this, or the, you know, the church evangelist is really good at this, or somebody else in church, they're really good, they're gifted, I'll leave it to them, I, I can't do it. But you see, the vicar and the evangelist and the churches don't have the friendships that you have. And they don't have the opportunities that you have. And, and they can't explain the message like you can. Because you know that person. You know what's meaningful to them. You know how they can understand what the message is. I want to tell you about a friend of, of ours from Oldham, the church that we were in before we came here. Her name is Peggy. And Peggy was married to Pete. And for years, Peggy prayed that her husband would come to know Jesus And when each new vicar or new curate came to the parish, uh, she would invite the curate or the vicar around to talk to Pete and tell him the message. But he wasn't having it. He'd go along to the socials, but he wasn't really interested in going to church. Then he retired, and sadly, after he retired, he got cancer. Then he had a period of remission. But then it came back with vengeance, and he was receiving um, end-of-life care. And Peggy phoned me one night and said, Dave... He wants to see you. Can you come? So I went to see him rather nervously. I walked into the small bedroom where he was and he says, Dave, I've done it. I've prayed. I've said that prayer. Now everything is good. I should have prayed it years ago. I just kept putting it off. I rejoiced with him. And he said, "Um, but there's one question, Dave. I said, what's that? He said, will he accept me? Seeing as I left it to the last moment. I agreed with him that it was a risky strategy, but assured him that, yes, he was accepted. 
because of what Jesus had done for him. What he had to do was turn around and repent, believe and trust in Jesus. See, the reason why I tell this story was actually it was Peggy who led Pete to Christ. It was Peggy who explained the message in a way that Pete could understand. She was the ambassador in her home who shared the message of reconciliation with Pete. She did it one day in the early hours of the morning, just a few days before Pete died. And I led his funeral service and had the joy of telling that story to a packed church full of his friends and family. The call to be an ambassador for Christ isn't an optional extra for us as Christians. It's part of our new nature. And we all, each one of us, get to take on that role of being a representative for Jesus. And the call to be missional disciples comes from our identity in Christ. When we grasp this, it takes away some of the fear, some of the reluctance we have. Finally, this is a key one. Where is our posting? Where would God send us? Well, God could send us to the other side of the world. But usually, actually, we find that it's actually where we already are. We are therefore, let's read verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. The Apostle Paul was saying these words originally to um, early Christians in the first century. And he was saying to them, right where you are, that is where God has called you to be ambassadors. Right where you live, right where you work, however you spend your days, the places where you volunteer, the children you care for, your partners that you go home to, the office where you work, those are the very places that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And you know, sometimes I think that the church hasn't helped with this. Because too often we, help, we present what is happening here in this building as more important that's what ha- than what's happening in the places where we live and where we work and in our communities. We can mistakenly give the impression that this is the front line when it's not. This is a place where ambassadors are prepared, equipped for the front line when you get home after church and you speak to your family, perhaps who don't know Jesus. Or when you go to church, sorry, work, tomorrow morning. Or when you go and do your voluntary work in the community. That's where our mission field is, not here. I wonder if you've ever walked into the school where you work, or the cafe where you serve, or the university where you teach, or as you get your children ready for school, or when you get home and tell your partner about what you've been doing in church, or in the council offices where you work, and say to yourself, This is where I am called to be an ambassador for Christ. This is the place where I'm uniquely called and equipped to share the message of reconciliation by my words, by my actions, by my attitudes. These are the people that I can pray for, that maybe they don't know any other Christians. Maybe it's only me. This is the place that I'm posted to. Why don't you try that either today or tomorrow morning? And come back and tell other people what happened when you did that. I think one of the things which may hinder us um, in a negative way um, is, is the way in which the media often portray Christians. Christians are often seen in the soaps, in dramas and literature as irrelevant, out of touch, 
even offensive. But some recent research from the Evangelical Alliance paints a different picture. Um, a group called the Barna Group did um, some research, and they discovered that 67% of the population of the UK knows somebody who is a practicing Christian. And that the majority of non-Christians who know a practicing Christian would describe them as friendly, caring, good-humoured, generous, and helpful. The research showed that people who don't have a faith like to have Christian friends. They even say that they can be fun to be around. And it's in these types of relationships that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And the other surprising thing from the piece of research is that 20% of those that we talk to about our faith want to know more. And here's another one. This is a bit hard-hitting, not for you, but for me. Only 1% of those interviewed knew a Christian leader. Only 1%. So if we're relying on the leaders, that's not a good strategy. But what it does mean is that you and other Christians are being effective in your role as ambassadors, not the leaders. So be confident in the role that you've been given to be an ambassador for Christ in the place that he's put you. You see, this changes mission all around, doesn't it? And it makes mission what we do every day rather than thinking of it as an event. So instead of thinking, oh no, who am I going to bring to this event when we do our mission? It's actually what we're doing every day, who we're talking to, who we're praying for. So when something does happen, it's so much easier to take people on because you've already had all those conversations, already been praying for them. I'm not saying that events are wrong. We need the events because that's when we can, we can present the whole message. And during 2020, there will be three opportunities for us to be involved in that. We're starting a new congregation in Race Cafe on the other um, side of Fishergate Hill. We're planning to run an Alpha course in February and we're joining in a citywide mission called Try Praying uh, in April. So I hope that we can invite people and encourage people to think about praying and all those other things and be part of Alpha. But we need to have those relationships. We need to be praying for people and doing the mission in our everyday lives. So finally, let's go back. In London, um, they commissioned 100,000 Christians. We can't commission 100,000 this morning, but perhaps we can commission 70, 80, 90 of us, because that's include the children as well, from here, from St. Stephen's. All of us are ambassadors. If we put our trust in Jesus, we are ambassadors for him. Will we recognize that he's called us to be in the place where we are every day? Will we enter into 2020 with a new way of seeing who we are in Christ? I wonder if you would be happy to uh, join uh, with me in saying a prayer of commitment. It's a covenant prayer from the Methodist Church. The words are quite um, challenging and powerful. So if you feel you can't say them, then don't say them. But if you feel that you want to say them, if you want to recommit your lives to be um, an ambassador for Christ in the places that you find yourself in, that uniquely God has given you, then uh, please join in. So can I invite you to stand as we say these words together? Say together, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. 
Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you. All laid aside for you. Exalted for you. All brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. We're going to sing um, a hymn now which asks for the Holy Spirit to breathe uh, his life into us. Because we can only live like that uh, by the power of God's Spirit.